You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At Animac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338-923, Mac Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L, call for additional details. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I am Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And it has happened. Juan Soto has been traded. He has been traded to the Washington National, no, to the uh, San Diego Padres from the Washington Nationals. A big, big, big trade for the uh, for the for the Nationals. That the, I mean, I mean for for the Padres, a huge pickup there. I mean, one one of the I mean, probably definitely the biggest pickup of the trade deadline. One of the biggest moves to see Juan Soto to see Juan Soto get traded. So. Uh, I mean, this lineup now has uh, – they're going to have Manny Machado. They're going to have Fernando Tatis Jr. when he comes back. They're going to now even have Brendan Drury. So, I mean, you got you got uh, Tatis, Machado, Drury, uh, Soto. This is a loaded lineup. And if you look at the uh, rotation with Musgrove and with Darvish, this is a good rotation. And then the bullpen, they added Josh Hader. So, right now, the Padres are looking really, really good after the Juan Soto trade. Yeah, absolutely they are. You know, and for a team that's always kind of been a small – market team you know new ownership has really come in there they they spent the money and they, they're trying to win their first um world series and it's been great to see yeah you know adding another superstar like Juan. so it's probably the biggest thing to get traded probably since miguel cabrera you know and from um miami or from the marlins the tigers but yeah juan soto big um you know san diego's had a really good farm system they kind of guarded that but they've done a good job of developing so it that they'll be back up there in a couple of years. But yeah, Juan Soto arguably one of the best hitters of the game. Big addition here. And, you know, AJ Pro too. Um, 
last year, he kind of felt like they had Max Scherzer and Trey Turner right in their grasp, and they lost – or just Max Scherzer. Um, but, you know, at the final minute there, the Dodgers came in and swooped in, and he made sure this year – that the Pod made sure this year that that was not going to happen again. They're going for it. You know, yeah, they, they're probably not going to pass the Dodgers in the National League West here, um, but they're going to be a dangerous team there in whatever wild card spot they get. Oh, 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 absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's yeah. Right now I don't think they're winning the West, but yeah, say they get, you, you don't, you don't want to be the number four seed. That's why that Mets brave series is so crucial this weekend. Cause you don't want to be that number four seed. Cause if you're that four, that four seed, or you're going to be facing the Padres, you're that four or five, because the Padres will be the four of the five seeds. You don't want to be that other team facing the Padres in the first round. Cause you're definitely, I think you're going to lose. Cause right now I think the Padres are, I mean, we're, we'll, we'll get, we'll get, we'll ask the question, but I think they're definitely one of the top teams in the, in the, in the uh, national league. Yeah, they're right there. It's tough for me between them and the Mets because uh, if DeGrom stays healthy and with Scherzer, that's a tough one, two combo right there to face in game one and two of a best of three. Um, but yeah, if it's in San Diego, they can get that four. Um, it'd be really crucial for them. But yeah, that, 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 um, that actually Walker, right. You know, that's, Braves that four or five matchup gonna be a doozy. Yeah, and, and but but and here's the thing. They, I to me, they're a better. I think they're a better team than the Mets and the Braves. I think the Padres with the additions they made to the bullpen, getting Josh Hader. I think they got a better bullpen. I think they have a better lineup than at least the Mets. I don't know about the Braves. I think they have a better lineup than the Mets. So I, I think I think they are a better team than the Mets. I mean the and and the Braves. I think I think they're a better team than the Braves. I think they're a better team than the Braves too. Yeah, I think they're a little bit better than Braves. I'd still just take because I just think in a best of three, you have Scherzer Degrom going one two. And, and, I know, you know, I know you have Scherzer Degrom going one two, but I'll take the Padres lineup and their bullpen over the Mets any day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. I know Edwin Diaz has been really good, uh, but I just take so much stock in that starting pitching right there. That you know, if those two can stay healthy, they're going to be tough. It's such a tough out. But yeah, absolutely. The, the Padres lineup one through nine is, is right there with the Dodgers. Of just, they're not really an easy out much tonight and the Padres really need it too because their outfield production not been good this year but yeah I, I, just because of the two starters of the one two the Mets kind of we're going to throw out there I think they're just a tad bit I just put so much stock into those two right there yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see now the big question is is are the Padres the favorite to win the World Series and I think it's close but I'm going to say no. I think it's the Yankees who are the favorites to win the World Series. The way their season has been going this year, the way they—I mean, yes, their starting pitching hasn't been good lately, but the way they've played all year, I think it's the Yankees. But I do think the Padres are a serious, serious contender. I don't think they're the favorite to win the World Series, but they're a serious contender to win the World Series. No, I don't think they're the favorite either. I think they're right there. Um, for me, right now, I think the favorite for me, I have the Dodgers. Um, they're just complete. I don't. I'm, I know we'll get to the Yankees. I don't know. I, I, I still a little bit concerned about the Yankees right now. Um, but I think with the Dodgers, that lineup's been really good. And I know you're probably not going to like, but I even think a guy like if they could face the Joey Gallo, which I, I think is very possible. Yeah. Yeah. That guy off the bench too. I think it could be a very scary lineup um, with that rotation. I think Dustin may could be back by the end of the year or, you know, by, you know, by sometime hopefully in later August. So I, I think the Dodgers right now, I think are a little bit better than the Yankees. So I, I'd probably put Dodgers one, Yankees two, Padres, Astros three, four. 
Yeah, and, and you pretty much answered my, my next question. Are they the best team in the NL? And it's probably no, because you, pro- you think the Dodgers are, and I still think the Dodgers are too. Yeah, I still think they're a little bit better. Um, that rotation that they got, veteran guys in there. I think they're just a tad better, but um, both, both those, you know, but AJ Pro has done absolutely everything you do to um, try to compete with the Dodgers, try to knock them out this year. Oh, absolutely. That's going to be a great series to see those two teams go at it. That's going to be a lot of fun. I hope we, I hope we see it because there's a chance we might not because they the Braves or the Mets beat them in the first round, the Padres in the first round. But to be able to see a Padre-Dodgers series, we saw it two years ago, but the Padres were not as good as they were now. I think a Padre-Dodger uh, 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 first-round series, if have those two teams play in the division series, is going to be really entertaining. Yeah, it will be. You know, um, that, that'll be fun because we've seen that kind of rivalry the last couple of years here kind of really get going. Um, yeah, so absolutely, that'll be a fun series right there. You know, Braves Mets too. I think could be a, you know the, all three of those teams are going to have a, be a full match against the Dodgers. You all got some intriguing storylines in all three of those. But yeah, the Padres Dodgers are probably the best one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, say so, say so, yeah. Say so you get Padres Dodgers, you get Braves, you get the defending champions, get the Dodgers, and they played in the playoffs two years in a row. And then 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 you got yeah you got the Mets with the New York market. So yeah, any of those stories are intriguing. But the Padres. Before they got Juan Soto, they made another deal to upgrade their bullpen, and they traded for Josh Hader. They made a trade with the uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers for Taylor Rodgers. And yes, Hader's ERA is is, is over four, but that's very misleading because he is uh, he, he is twenty nine for thirty one in saves this year. He, this uh, for for the Padres. So this is definitely an upgrade, and in my opinion, I think it's a significant upgrade. If you look at Taylor Rogers, he's twenty-eight. He has twenty-eight saves, but he's twenty-eight for thirty-five. So he has so Rogers has seven blown saves, and Hader only has two blown saves. So I think this is this is not just an upgrade for the Padres, but I think this is a significant upgrade for the Padres. And honestly, I don't know why the Milwaukee Brewers traded Josh Hader. Yeah, the uh, yeah the Hader. Um, I don't I don't know why either. I I wonder if the small market. He's going to cost 17, 18 million. Does try to get something for him now, and that's the only thing I could, I could think of. But they, they shouldn't. And yeah, that ERA is really misleading because I think he had like that two bad outings, and one he gave up like nine runs or something and got like one out. Um, so yeah, like he's still one of the best closers in the game. Probably is the best one in the game. Taylor Rogers is really struggling. So yeah, Josh Hader, his stuff is just electric, and yeah, adding that back into that bullpen there, which that bullpen's been good, but. You know, adding a guy like Hater there that's, you know, that pitched in the postseason before as well. Uh, just another huge addition there by San Diego. And they didn't really have to give up any of their top six prospects for that one, which helped them get, you know, Juan Soto the next day. Oh, oh yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, they really don't have to give up much at all for Hater. That's why I'm so confused why Milwaukee did this. Yeah, you can say they're a small market team, but they have a chance. They have a chance to, you know, win, win it. The, I know they're not. They're not the favorite, but they have a chance to win it this year. I don't understand why you would trade one of one of your best players. I don't understand that at all. I have no, I have no idea with that start with that staff. I know the lineup's not great, but with that starting staff they have, they're going to give. They could give you know anybody a run for the money, especially in a short series. So yeah, I'm with you. I was a little confused, I guess, because the Brewers want to get something before they lose them and have to or pay them 18 million. But I'm with you. I think you, you they, the Brewers have a have a shot at this thing with their pitching staff. So, yeah, it doesn't make much sense. I know they have Devin Williams as well, but you use Williams in the eighth, here in the ninth, and, you know, that that's just a nasty kind of, you know, that, that's tough for teams to beat there if they're trailing the eighth, ninth inning to face Williams and Hayter. 
Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely surprising. But the Padres, to me, they're the winner of this trade deadline because they went out and they got uh, they obviously went out and Wad Soto. They traded for Josh Hader, and don't forget they went out and uh, got Brendan Drury and they got Josh Bell in the Soto trade. Yeah, yeah, Padres. I'm with you. They're big winners. Yeah, Josh Bell's been playing really well since the start of June. Brandon Drew, too, has had a really, really nice year. Um, you know, and he's a nice piece there. If he can kind of, if he's just coming off the bench or he can play pretty much anywhere as well. So, yeah, he's a nice guy, you know, start or even come off the bench and you kind of play wherever you need him to. So, yeah, um, two other really nice additions there by San Diego, and they're really going for it. And these next couple of years, you got Soto here for three, three chances to win a World Series. So the uh, Padres are going for it. They absolutely, they absolutely are. They, they definitely are. Now, moving on to another team that made a big deal. And on Friday, the Mariners traded for Luis Castillo. Uh, they got him for, from the Reds. And this he adds to a rotation with, uh, with, with uh, Logan Gilbert, uh, Robbie Ray, and, and uh, Marco Gonzalez. So this rotation for the Mariners is really, really good. They got a good bullpen. My only concern is their offense. I often, the offense is, is, is my only concern. But the big question is, is, is this team a World Series contender with Castillo? And I absolutely think they do. Now they got a bona fide ace. they got a good bullpen and a lineup that has some potential. I know it has underachieved a little bit, but it has some potential. Julio Rodriguez, he's on the DL. Uh, Anahirio Suarez is good. Winker's good. They haven't played. I don't think either of them have played up to their potential this year, but they're good. Uh, so, I, so I think this lineup, uh, and, and until you got Todd France too. So I think this lineup, doesn't need to be great with this bullpen and with this rotation, but if, if this lineup improves, I definitely I don't think they're not going to catch the Astros, but I do think they're a World Series contender. I think I think there's a very good chance they could face the Yankees. Uh, you know, Castillo's facing the Yankees today, but there's a very good chance we could see the Mariners and the Yankees in the division series. Yeah, I think it's very possible. I think it's a it's a scary team to face because yeah, you know, Castillo's a guy I know we both wanted to come to New York. Um, they need that bona fide ace, and uh, Cole just gave up three run shot. Yeah, I talk about Suarez. He hits a three-run homer. Last night he hit a two-run homer in the first inning, too. So he's starting to get hot. So that's definitely going to help the Mariners there. And we'll obviously get to Garrett Cole. We're going to get to Garrett Cole. This We're definitely going to get get to him. But, yeah, look at Suarez. So if their bats start to get hot, I definitely think this Mariners team can make a run, especially getting this move, making this move. Because they're beating the Yankees right now without their best player, Luis, um, without Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, Ty France is an all-star. As you mentioned, he's still banged up. So, yeah, absolutely. It, it, this is this Mariner team's got scary. There's a lot of hype around this team. There's been, you know, they haven't been in the playoffs since 2001. There, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of hype around this team, and it didn't start off pretty. But yeah, I, I think you know we talked a couple weeks ago. They they needed that ace guy in a Luis Castillo. Um, is that guy in October to come in here? Um, you know, Logan Gilbertson good. I know the Yankees hit him pretty good last night. George, George Kirby's come up from Triple H pitch well. Robbie Ray's, you know, has not been as he good as advertised. Year, but he's been better than he was yeah. at the start of the year. Yeah, he's starting to get it going a little bit, pitch a little bit better. Um, so yeah, I, I think this Mariners team, they they, they had a lot of young guys, and I think I think they are still behind, you know, they're still in that second tier behind the Yankees and Astros, but I absolutely could see them in a short series knocking off either Houston. Or New York. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all if this Mariners team makes a run to the World Series. I would not be surprised at all. Seeing the way they played the Yankees this week, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they, if, 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 if they make a run. Now, some other moves yesterday. The Twins trade for Jorge Lopez, the closer from the Orioles. Yes, the Twins need a closer, so good move for them. But I think the bigger story is, is seeing where the Orioles are, 
I'm a little bit surprised what their approach was at the trade deadline to sell and not go for this. I mean, this is this could be a miracle season for the Orioles. I know they don't have a great team, but they're 52 and 51. They got a chance. They're only, uh, I think, a game and a half out of the last wild card spot. I just don't, again, I don't understand why the Orioles, you know, with having the season they're having, what are they telling their fans now with the season, with the, with the year they're having now that they're, now they're going to give up. I just think, I don't think that's, that's the right move for the Orioles. No, um, it's nine. Carl Santana just went yard. Carl Santana just hit a home run. Wow. wow. We got, we got something to talk about. When we talk about the Yankees. Oh, so, oh, yeah. Let's just say that. And uh, the guy I went to the game with last night, he just texted me about Garrett Cole already. Did he? <laughs> so we got some stuff to talk about when we talk about the Yankees. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Cole, um, this is why I want to cast Theo. But, yeah, yeah, going back to the O's here, I, I think it was the GM or owner was kind of saying that the probabilities are not on their side, and that's why they did this, to try to get better oh, for next probabilities. year. Probabilities. Stop looking at the analytics. You have a shot to have a miracle season. I don't get why you would do this. You trade your best closer. I don't get it at all. I know. I, I don't either. And he's still got a couple years of control left, I thought, too. But, um. I, I just I just don't either. I don't I don't get it. Um, you're right there, and I know it's a tough division, but you're still ahead of Boston. You know, see what happens. I think you know again, it's disappointing that they traded, you know, Mancini as well. Like, give this guy a chance to, um, you know, see what this team could do. And Brandon Hyde's done a great job with this team. It, it give him a chance, and yeah. Again, I guess for the players, it's a chip on the shoulder. Like Seattle, you know, Seattle made that kind of crazy trade last year getting rid of their um um closer last year and trading to houston his name slipped in my mind but you know then the players kind of tried to go out there and prove it that hey we you know we're, we're gonna go out there and kind of prove the front office wrong and i guess the oil players have that um but yeah it was still weird and i know they, they said they want to get better for the future but yeah i you should have taken a shot they had nothing to lose it makes absolutely no sense what the orioles are doing they should be going for this but we'll quickly go through some teams at the trade deadline before uh, we get to the Yankees. Uh, first, the Cardinals, they went out and traded for uh, Jose Contada, improved the rotation there. And we all know they made another move. We'll get to that one. But, you know, they improved their rotation, which they needed to do to win the NL Central. Yeah, Contada's actually been quietly having a re- you know, really nice season. Um, yeah, the Cardinals kind of were in the Juan Soto deal, or, I mean, on uh, negotiation. They didn't end up getting them there. But, yeah, I think it's a nice addition, same the National League Central. Um, I think he's a nice veteran guy there with, with um, Adam Wainwright to, to um, help that staff. So, yeah, I think uh, that was a nice move there for St. Louis to bring in Quintana. Absolutely, absolutely. And then we'll go to the Phillies. They made some moves yesterday. They got Syndergaard. They got they, they, they added an arm to the rotation. They uh, they got an arm in the bullpen and David Robertson and – they got a uh, they, they got a, they got a bat and Cassius Marsh. I think pretty much just improving what they need. No, 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 no splash moves. But I think the Phillies are just you know improving on what they need to try to make a playoff run, playoff push, try to get one of the wild card spots. Yeah, absolutely. We know Dave Dombrowski is, is a um, you know he goes for it. He'll he'll take his chances. So yeah, I think very quietly made some nice moves. No Syndergaard's been pretty good this year, but again, coming off Tommy John at first year, you know pitching. You know, down the stretch here, we've kind of seen some guys, their arms wore down first year at Tommy John, so we'll see how he does. But, yeah, you know, that bullpen's been horrible for a while. Daniel Rob- uh, David Robertson's done a really nice job with Chicago this year. Goes back to Philly. I think that's a nice guy. And, yeah, Brandon, Brandon Marsh, a young center fielder, who's had a pretty nice year for the um, 
for the Angels. So, yeah, I think three really nice pieces here for the Phillies and trying to uh, get one of those final wildcard spots in a tough NL East. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So now we'll go to the Yankees, and we got our big story. We got what should be our number one concern, and that should, and, and I think Garrett Cole is a concern right now. Since the All-Star break, Cole has not pitched well at all. He was not. He was he was okay against Baltimore. Wasn't great against the Orioles. Got the loss in that game. Then against then against the, the Royals, he gave up five runs in one inning. He was lucky it wasn't six because Judge robbed the home run to start the game. And let's let's be honest, that's a Royals lineup. That was that's not good at all without Bobby Witt Jr. So that I don't consider that a, that a good start. And then today is absolutely pathetic. Should we have concern for Garrett Cole? In my opinion. I think we should have concern for Garrett Cole because he's he, he's not he's not pitching well right now. He's not pitching like an ace. He's not pitching like a top level pitcher. He's pitching like a number two. He's not pitching like a number one. And there's got to be concern. Yeah, there there there's got to be a little bit. Um, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look at look at this, the last three starts. Yeah, man. Yeah, I know it's it's not been good. I I still kind of feel like maybe there's a way to kind of fix this. It, it, but yeah, you know, as we talked about, very. Potential to play Seattle. You're going to see Seattle again next week. You may see them in the playoffs. They've hit them hard. You know, we've seen what Boston's been able to do against him, you know, in his time in New York. He's kind of, you know, he's had some rough outing against them as well. So, yeah, for a guy you're paying $36 million to, to kind of be – the Yankees went out to go get Garrett Cole because they were tired of having to face him in Houston. Tired of – you know, they wanted to have that guy, that workhorse in the playoffs that was going to shut you down. And like the Yankees kind of had the face, you know, against Houston the last couple of years. And yeah, he has not been that guy. So there is some concern. Again, Sevy's elbows a problem. You know, I know we'll get to the Montgomery trade, but yeah, I think there is a little bit of concern to this rotation. I talked about it. We wanted to get, you know, we both wanted Luis Castillo. I think he would have been great number one or even put him there as a two. But yeah, I'm starting to get a little concerned because it's even he's a guy who usually doesn't walk. Many and he, you know, he's kind of walked the bases too. You know, he's walked some guys more recently as well. And the location, yeah, as well, has not been great. Not at all, not at all. So there, there, there definitely has to be concern with Garrett Cole. I'm not happy about the way he's pitching right now. As I've said, he's he's been he's pitching like a two. He's not pitching like a number one. But yeah, the Yankees couldn't get Luis Castillo. That that they're facing him today. But. At least they were able to pick get Frankie Montas, which is I think is definitely going to help this rotation. I, I, I like this move. They made the right move getting him because they needed to get Frankie Montas because this rotation has not been has not been good recently. I mean, Tyone, we saw him last night. He hasn't been pitching that well. Sevy's hurt. Herman, even in the absence, hasn't been pitching that well. And we've seen the way Garrett Cole's pitching. So this team needed to make a move. And I definitely like getting I know Frankie Montas isn't great, but he's really good. I think he's going to help this rotation. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he does. You know, again, he's not going to be a number one, but I think he's the guy that could be a two or three. You know, he, either him or Nestor probably going to be a game two starter. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, Montez has done a really good job in Oakland. Um, and I think he's a guy that can kind of kill me. It definitely helps. You know, hopefully he can eat some innings. Um, Jared Kelnick just went yard. Kelnick, six another home run. Six. Yeah. This is a nightmare. This game's over. This, there's no way the Yankees yeah. win this game, especially without Aaron Judge. No. This game's over. And especially with Castillo on the mound, too. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. This game's over. Yeah, so um, going back to the Yankees, yeah, they, 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 um, big to get this guy. They need him, especially now we're seeing with with Cole really, really, you know, just hitting the fan right now. Um, it, it was a nice get. Again, he was probably the second best starting pitcher on the market. 
They lost out Castillo was number one. So they got the number two guy. And I think even a guy like Lou Trevino, who who's done pretty well over the years as a closer, you know, with, even with Clay Holmes kind of struggling a little bit lately, he's a guy maybe Matt Blake can be able to fix here and, and help him as well here late in games as well. Cause I, I don't think they're going back to Chapman anytime soon. And, you know, maybe Torino could kind of help him end the game situation as well. I guess some final outs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and going back to Garrett Cole, now this Garrett Cole thing is becoming a story because all right, he wasn't great against the Orioles. Okay. Not giving that one bad inning against the Royals. Okay. Now it's a story. He's given up three home runs in one inning. Now this is a story that Garrett Cole has been struggling. Yeah. And there was another hanger. Um, it just kind of, you know, big kind of, kind of sad in the middle of the plate, but um, yeah, it's it, it's frustrating. You know, they meant thirty six million dollars. You, you're paying this guy, and yeah, he's not been good. Um, it just it, he's been yeah, he's just not been good since the All Star break. Um, it, it, location, it, it, it is it is getting worrisome here. I because I just I don't know when you're gonna sell you back. Can you can you guarantee Nestor to keep pitching the way he has? Um. You know, and again, you know, Clark Smith may be a guy that they have to call up to make some spot starts. I don't know if you remember Debbie Garcia. He's got, he had an ADRA in AAA. He just got the mode wow. to double A, and he still has an ADRA down there. So you're not seeing him anytime soon. But, yeah, so for Cole, it, it's it's getting very concerning because, yeah, as you mentioned, the Royals lineup's not great. The Orioles lineup is okay, you know. Um, but, yeah, Seattle's a playoff team in that lineup, and – he's struggling right now. Yeah, and this lineup, this isn't the lineup he's going to see in the playoffs either. I don't, I'm don't. i not 100% sure if Ty France is playing or not, but we know Julio Rodriguez isn't playing, and he's their best player. So this isn't even the lineup he's even going to face if he faces the Mariners in the playoffs. No, but next week, because they're playing, you know, Seattle next week, I think he's supposed to start Monday or Tuesday night. Ty France, I think he's supposed to come back this week, and Julio Rodriguez sounds like they're they're hopefully he's going to be back for the Yankees here, so he may get that full contract to play lined up next week. So, um, yeah, it's not the full roster, the full lineup you're going to see yet, but it possibly could when you go to Seattle next week. So, yeah, it's it's very concerning right now the way he's pitching. Absolutely, without without a doubt, without a doubt, without a doubt. So we'll talk about another move the Yankees made in the rotation. And for me, this was the worst move they made at the trade deadline. And, and there was no need for them to make this move with the trade. Uh, Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader. We don't need another position player. Our offense is fine. Our offense is one of the best in the league. It's going to get even better when Stanton's back. I don't understand how we trade a starting pitcher, why we trade Jordan Montgomery. I know his record is 3-3, three and, three and he hasn't pitched great in his last couple starts, but I don't understand why we traded Jordan Montgomery. This is by far Cashman's worst move at the trade deadline. They need depth in this rotation. And looking at this, this rotation, the way it's been pitching, it hasn't been good recently. They need depth in the rotation. Montgomery hasn't been great, but he's had some. He's had some. He's had a decent season. I don't understand at all why the Yankees traded Jordan Montgomery. That move made no sense to me. Yeah, especially because Harrison Bader is out till September with plantar fasciitis. So, yeah. I, all right, I yeah, all right, but, but but you get it because maybe all right, you get Bader back for the playoffs, and that's what matters because the Yankees have such a big lead. But but come on, we need rotate. We need depth in the rotation, or we could get eliminated in the first round by a Seattle or a Toronto. Yeah, absolutely. Now, my first thought when I heard this trade was, okay, that must mean Pablo Lopez is coming over. But That was mine, too. When I was in yeah. line trying to get into the bleachers yesterday at Yankee Stadium, that was my first thought as well. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I thought. Okay, great. I'll, I'll take that. Over. But, no, it didn't happen. So, yeah, it's very interesting 
move there. I don't because I don't trust Herman as a five. We know about no. Severino's injury concerns. Yeah, Tyone's struggling. Tyone's been awful lately. Yeah, he's not been good either. Um, it, it, yeah, it's concerning. We don't really need another offensive piece. I know Bader's, you know, defensive run save is very good. I think he's plus seven this year or something like that. Um, but yeah, I just I don't get it. I don't get why because he's not great offensively. He can do a little bit. He's fast, but I don't. I, I didn't really understand that move at all by Cashman. I thought he had a great trade deadline up to that point. I agree with you, but very, very interesting one that they did trade Jordan Montgomery. They don't get another pitcher to come back with it. Um, yeah, I don't really know what the thinking was behind that one. Oh, not at all. Not at all. I, that's the, that is a trade I clearly, clearly do not understand at all. I, I just don't understand the Montgomery trade. I mean, I mean, yeah, I just, I just don't understand that one at all. But the Yankees did improve their lineup going out last week and uh, trading for Andrew Benintendi. The thing about it is Benintendi struggled one for 17 so far. Has had six walks. I'll give him that. He has gotten a base uh, seven seven times, but he hasn't really been able to hit, hit so far. But the one thing I feel like it's affected is DJ LeMayu. I feel like with this move, DJ LeMayu has had four multi-hit games. I think the move was kind of a wake-up call for DJ LeMayu because he knew if he wasn't hitting, he definitely wasn't hitting leadoff because Benintendi was. So – I think this move is a really, really big wake-up call for TJ LeMay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it, yeah, he I think it has, you know, started out fast Saturday morning, you know, or Saturday afternoon. Yeah, two you pitches game, in. Yeah, yeah you know, run, hit the yeah. home run very early on in that game. Um, hit another one Sunday. So yeah, he's 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 really picked it up so far. And they need him to at the top of the order. Um, especially the way Judge has been swinging the bat. Again, if you can get on, it's been an automatic um, you know. Again, it's very, um, you know, it's a very good chance that Joe's is going to knock you in. And especially with saying now as well, you know, hopefully, you know, kind of get better, you know, keep some um, kind of they need somebody to step on that lineup. But, yeah, I like the Andrew Benetendi move. I just think he's probably trying too much right now. I, I think he just, you know, hopefully kind of hopefully going on the road this weekend kind of helps him a little bit. But yeah, I just think he's just trying to do too much at the plate right now. Um, but yeah, the D, you know, again, I, I love the walks and Kansas City over the weekend. I seemed like all four games, they rather pitch a judge than Benettoni. Like they gave nothing to Benettoni to hit. Yeah, which makes no sense. That's why yeah. that team is a bad team. Why would you not give Benettoni anything to hit? You saw him and he only hit three home runs when he was here this year. Yeah, he hit for a high average. Granted, granted, he hit for a high average. We only hit three home runs. Yeah, I know that left that right field porch out there is tougher left-handed hitter to knock out of there, but yeah, you know. Um, Come on, the right field porch. There's no way Benintendi has came close to hitting the ball on the right field porch. No, oh, I'm talking for um. Oh, I'm oh, for uh, Lake Kansas City. That's why it's home. I think his gotcha. home run numbers are down. Gotcha, but gotcha, yeah, he gotcha, gotcha. He hasn't come close yet. Yeah, here. Um, I just think he's just trying too much right now. Hopefully, yeah, it'll. it'll again, I, he's a professional hitter. I, I think he'll fig, he'll fight, figure it out, and I think he'll be a great addition to this lineup. Um, and defensively, too, I think he's got better over the year. So, yeah, I really like this move that Cashman made. I guess, too, they tried to offer Gallo in, in this trade, but Kansas City denied it for how bad their, their lineup God, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. No way nobody was taking Joey Gallo. Except L.A. Oh, except L.A., yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's, what I, that's what I mean. And, and, yeah, we'll get to Joey Gallo. Thank God that guy is gone. Thank God Joey Gallo is gone. A total disappointment when he was with the Yankees. 
Yeah, I, I always I liked him. I did with the ranch because the power he could have, but he's just not built for New York. And again, some of the quotes that was kind of out there about him, you know, talking. I, I do feel a little bit bad for the guy. You know, it, it's been hard, but the, I can't believe the Dodgers gave up their second round pick from two years ago, who was supposed to be a first rounder, but had Tommy John, I believe, and he dropped the second round. He's had control issues because I was looking him all up, but he's the Yankees' number 10 prospect. We just got that for Joey Gallo. You know, that that I, I would take that any day of the week. Um, so, yeah, something I think probably I, I won't be shocked if the LA Dodgers can fix him. But, yeah, um, huge move there for um, – but, yeah, huge for the Yankees to get rid of him because, yeah, it just was not – did not pan out at all, unfortunately. Thank God! Thank God they found a one team to 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 to, to, to take him. So because it was a disaster, his career was a disaster for the Yankees. Yeah, it, that that again, I I don't remember too many trades that were worse than him. I I, I was because I remember Lance Bergman got traded over. He didn't do much, but at least he had over two hundred. That was probably one of the worst trades Cashman's made. Absolutely, absolutely, it's a completely unnecessary trade, and 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 and. and, and and Gal and Gal approved why it was this year. So totally unnecessary trade by Brian Cashman making that move. But all in all, I feel like it was a good trade deadline for the Yankees. They upgraded the rotation. They got another. They got another bat. They got another guy who could hit for average with Ben Intendi. And the, and they, the guy from the Cubs. They got. They got. Oh, yeah. They got. It's pretty good. You like that guy from the Cubs? Yeah, you know he's been good at these kind of underrated moves. You know, I yeah. I'll be the first to say I didn't really like the Clay Holm move, but he was great last year. So yeah, I, I think it's a great move. You know, submarine guy. Um, five years control. I'll take it. You know, I'll, I'll take it. I think I think it's a nice pickup there for Cashman. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, and so good, good trade deadline. Just the Montgomery move. The Montgomery move bothered me, but but all in all, good trade deadline for the Yankees. Yeah, absolutely. I think Cashman did what he had to do. Um, that just thing got a lot, a little bit better. You know, they're again they're trying to compete with the you know kind of try to put on a team to field that could beat the Astros. Montez has faced them a lot as well, so. Yeah, you know, um, that's kind of they're me. They're kind of I even know the Mariners are gonna be tough out of Blue Jays, but yeah, I think for Craftsman did it did a pretty good job this this trade down. And again, he didn't trade Perazzi either, Volpe or Dominguez. You know, um, keeping those top prospects as well. I think you know he did a good job of um, getting guys. Absolutely, yeah, and, yeah, and, and you made a good point. Not trading, not trading Volpe, not trading the top prospects. Because if you if you were going to get Castillo or you were going to get Soto, you know for sure Anthony Volpe would be would not be on this team anymore, would not be in the organization anymore. Oh yeah, absolutely, and probably Dominguez as well. I would think that the pot, you know, I mean, the Nationals would have taken one, take him as well. So yeah, um, I, I thought yeah for for what they've got, I think it was a good job to kind of keep majority of those guys. And the one guy they gave the A's that was like the number five prospect, they would have had to keep on the 40-man roster going in this winter, and they probably weren't going to protect them. So you're going to lose him in the Rule 5 anyway. So at least get something for him, not like Whitlock, and now he's been pretty good with the Red Sox. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So uh, we'll now move on to the Red Sox. And the Red Sox were in a very, very weird situation at the trade deadline. They were around 500. Do they really want to go for it or not? I think they kind of were like, didn't really have an identity. They kind of were half and half because they traded Vasquez, they traded for Fam, and they obviously traded for Eric Hosmer to improve. I mean, Hosmer's not been great, but that's going to improve improve their situation at first base. He's better than Franchi Cordero. He's better than Bobby Dahlbeck, that's for sure. So for the Red Sox, I mean, the reason, the, the real reason why the Red Sox 
are in this situation is because it goes back to the offseason this year where they didn't improve where they need to improve. High and Bloom did not improve the rotation, which he needed to improve. There were guys out there, Gosman, Carlos Rondon, he refused to re- – yes, he got Wack, I'll give him credit for that, but he really didn't, didn't do enough to the rotation, and he didn't do enough to the bullpen. And for me, that's the reason why the Red Sox are in the situation they are, the situation they are, and they're an average baseball team. Yes, the Red Sox – the reason the Red Sox made the ALCS last year was not the way they played the last two months of the season. It was the way they played the first four months of the season. The Red Sox started to show their true colors in the last two months of the season. Yes, they did get hot and get the ALCS, but they showed, they showed their true colors of what this organization has been the last, you know, four years in, in the last two months. And they this entire year, they've shown who, what this organization has been in the last uh, four years. An average baseball team. And the reason why they're an average team and the reason why they they, they really didn't want to spend big on this team was because, because of what their GM did, has done with this team. He has not gone out and made a big splash in the three years high and three and a half years high and blue two and a half years high and bloom has been a general manager. He has not made a big splash. Yes, yeah, that's story. That's about it. Story, yeah, I'll give you that. Story, yeah, yeah, yeah. Story, yeah. I'll give you yeah. that. One. But yeah, but 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 a big splash where they need it, like a big starter, yeah. or a big guy in the or a really good guy in the bullpen. He hasn't done that. Yeah, because they could have paid that to Rendon that twenty-two million they gave this story. I think Rendon's making twenty-two. Um, yep. so they, yeah, they could have gone that, that could have gone to Rendon. Um, but yeah, so going, so actually this was a couple weeks ago too. Buster only was talking the their pregame show or one of those shows and the Devers contract, eight years, one six eight. they offered him. He was insulted because they compared him to Matt Olson. So, and he, Buster only said, they're not going to, he does not think they're giving him $300 million either. So yeah, possibly losing Bogarts and Devers and, yeah, and you mentioned it. This is just going back to your – they're not making a splash. You know, you're you're the Boston Red Sox, and you're not going to pay your two big superstars, you know, because Dever, I think, is a borderline top ten player in this game. And Bogarts is a really good shortstop as well. So, yeah, you know, bullpen-wise, they didn't do much. He said, you know, High Bloom, I think, said that they didn't – nothing really kind of came along. They kind of had options, but it wasn't the price that they wanted. They traded Vasquez, who's a who's a key member in that locker room, you know. Like, and then I thought, okay, that probably means JD Martinez and Valdi are gone. They stayed, so yeah, it was weird. You you brought in Tommy Pham. It, it was a weird, yeah, deadline. And yeah, Hein Bloom just has not made that spot. And you know, and Andrew Freed was the guy before Hein Bloom at Tampa Bay. Look what he's doing with LA. He's he's I know you know he's the difference he, between him and Bloom. Freeman has learned in a big market, you got to make big moves. Now, you know, High and Bloom's in a big market, but he's running this like it's a small market team. You can't run the Red Sox like it's a small market team. And, this, and that's what he's been doing. No, you can't. You're not going to survive, especially in a town like Boston where they're going to get on them. They're already on them very, you know, they, they, they've been on top of them here all, pretty much most of the, you know, since his downfall here in July um, of just not getting the guys that they needed, not kind of going out and re-signing Bogarts or Devers, signing them the long-term deals. So, yeah, it's, you know, and it, I don't know if this is the case or not, but it's almost like Henry and Kennedy, the two owners, were like, after Dabrowski, like, hey, let's take a different approach. I don't know if that was something as well where Dabrowski saves a ton. I know they don't want to go over the luxury tax anymore like Dabrowski did, but, like, I don't think they're really coming that close and – they got a lot of free agents this offseason. You know, of all these, you know, of all these going to be free agent Martinez, uh, I think Arroyo maybe. You know, they, they got some free agents coming up. And 
I don't know how many of them are coming back. It's going to be, it could very possibly be a new core next year. And, yeah. you know, there'll be year three for him. So, and he didn't make, he did not have a warm welcome either after trading Mookie Betts. So, and especially because no, that, that, that was a yeah, start, and, trading Mookie Betts. And they have clearly lost that trade because Jeter Downs does not look like he's a major league player. Kind of Wong's been triple A. And, and Verdugo's Verdugo been average. Like, he's been average. Yeah. And Mookie Betts has been killing it. So, yeah, it's been tough for him. And he better, they'll make a splash this offseason or get Bogart's Endeavor's long-term deals because, yeah, the Boston fans are not uh, not very appreciative of them right now. And when the Red Sox traded bets, the thing the thing with me was is all right, you'll trade bets, but use that money you were going to use on bets to improve the rotation, improve where you needed to improve, improve the rotation, improve the bullpen. And and in, th- and in three years, they've absolutely not done that. Last year, they got they got they got lucky last year because they their their offense was good and they pitched really well in the first four. Their starting pitching was really good in the first four months of the season. Guys like Pavetta and Evaldi overachieved. So they were able to – you were able to have a really, really good record. But, you know, since really the trade deadline last year, this has been – I know they got the ALCS, but this has been an average team. They've had an average record. And th- that's because their GM is not making the moves, the big splashes, in areas where they need. And, and, and I know he doesn't – Bloom doesn't like to spend money. But why did the Red Sox win World Series? Because they spend money. Theo, he spent the money. He spent the money going out and uh, – and getting a and getting a Kurt Schilling and getting a Keith Folk, trading for a Josh Beckett and then signing him. Those guys helped him win World Series. Then you look at Dembrowski. Dembrowski spent the money by going out and uh, trading for Chris Sale and and, and, re, and trading for Chris Sale, uh, going out and signing David Price. And then uh, they traded for Chris Sale. And I think I think they re-signed Chris Sale too. So they, you have to spend money in this market to be successful. That's why the Red Sox. I know they've had a really good farm system, but that's but another reason why they've won championships is they've spent money. And big markets got to spend money. Hyam Bloom has got to realize that, and he still hasn't realized that. No, it, it's crazy to think about. Yeah, you, you hit it. They they have not spent money in outside of Trevor kinda, Story. Outside outside of Trevor yeah, Story. That's, that's, that's the only guy they spent money on. But the problem with going on with Trevor Story is that didn't fill. A, that they were already a good offensive team. <laughs> that's the thing. We got we're getting Trevor Story, and Trevor Story is playing out of position. He's been good this year, but also it didn't fill a need, and he's playing out of position. Yeah, and it feels more and more every day like he's just he's gonna be the replacement for Xander Bogarts next year. That's what it seems like, you know, more and more. And yeah, you could have you could give Bogarts more money because Bogarts is a better player than Trevor Story. You could have gave that, as I mentioned, that that other money to Story. You could have gave it to Rondon. Rondon. You could have gone out and grabbed a couple star or relievers with that money. Yeah, he just they, he just has not figured it out, and the fan base has been on him about it. You know, even Schwarber, they, you know, especially the way with Cordero and Dahlbeck have looked. I Schwarber know, yeah. came in last year, and he kind of changed the whole approach of that that team in the lineup because Schwarber's great at taking walks, and that team was the last going um, drawing walks until he got there, and then they finished third or fourth in that time span he was there in walks. So. Yeah, you know, even bringing back a Schwarber would have helped. So, yeah, it's just, I, you know, I just – I don't really understand it. And I know – and I thought it was going to be more of a combination of bringing to Tampa Bay and still spending, but it's been a lot more just trying to be the Tampa Bay Rays in a big market. And, yeah, that does not work in Boston, especially if you're not winning. Um, they do not take that very well. And it's – again, it, you know – I don't think his job's on the line or anything, unless this team really falls apart. But yeah, I just say next year is going to make a 
make or, make or break the year, especially actually in the offseason with all the guys that they got, you know, pending free agency. Yeah, if they don't sign a Devers or him, and they let Bogarts walk and don't give bad, Devers a big deal, uh, high on Bloom, if they, and then say they have a bad year next year, high on Bloom's going to get fired. Yeah, absolutely. He probably should, you know, because if, if Bogarts is gone and if they don't re-sign Devers, they let him walk as well. Yeah, there's no way that fan base is, is going to support that team anymore. Especially now that the Patriots starting, it's yeah, going to exactly. get a this team. This team doesn't get, you know, I know they took the first two against the Astros, but this team doesn't really get rolling soon. It's going to turn into all Patriots talking. Everybody's oh, going to forget about the Red Sox. Even though I don't think the Patriots are going to be good, those fans no. are attached to that team because of what Brady and Belichick have built for the last two decades. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah. It may be probably a mediocre Patriot team as well, like the Red Sox have been this year. But yeah, you know, nobody's going to care. They're going to spend all their time. Getting ready for that, and probably even the Celtics too. You now that that'll be going, getting going. Oh, definitely you know, the Celtics. Once they get going with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, we'll see what happens with Jalen Brown with the Kevin Durant stuff. Mm. But having Jason Tatum, they have a superstar for the next 10, 15 years, so they'll be really, really into the Celtics in that town. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you know the Red Sox better turn this thing around very, very quickly, or or they're clearly going to be the number three team in town. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because the Bruin fans are not happy with Don Sweeney. It seems like they're probably going to have to go to a rebuild very soon. And, yeah, even um, Fenway's attendance lately is kind of taking a dip. So it's starting to get to the point right now where the fan base is starting to kind of get on an interest with this team. And unless you sign Bogarts or Devers in that couple of weeks, I, I, you know, it's probably going to continue to be that way. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So the NFL has, no, I mean, so a ruling has been made on Deshaun Watson and, and there's issues in Miami, no surprise there, and Debo Samuel got paid. But before we talk about that, we got a couple ads to bring you uh, from Clovercrest Media. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person doing all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. 
Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. So Deshaun Watson has been has been suspended for six games. Uh, it was it was by Sue L. Robinson. Obviously, with the new CBA, the league deferred discipline on certain cases to a to a third party. So Watson is suspended for the first six games of the season. And I think the suspension is very light. I mean, I think honestly, with some of the accusations, he should have been suspended for the season. And you know, that's what the league wants. The league wants him to be suspended. Now the league has until tomorrow at nine a.m. to appeal the suspension. And the, and the thing is, is if the league appeals it, it goes back to Roger Goodell or his designee. So, uh, so there could be a very good chance if this goes to the league that this thing is going to drag on for a while, and Watson might get a bit longer suspension. But the suspension may even go into next year if this thing goes gets 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 if the league appeals tomorrow. But Watson suspended for six games. I think for what he was accused of, this is very very light. This is very light, uh, and the fact he's showing no remorse thing is absolutely disgraceful and, and pathetic. And, and the fact that an organization is going to give this guy. Who, who they know is a sexual predator, going to give this guy all this guaranteed money. It's absolutely ridiculous and disgusting. So I know it's a, I, 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 he got six games, but I felt like this suspension is very like no fine either. No, how do you not get fined for this? So no fine. He's he only, he only gets suspended for six games. Very, very light suspension for Deshaun Watson. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I know this one, as you mentioned, it, it, this wasn't the NFL's kind of, um, you know, this, this, came down with the judge who made the decision, the six games. But I think the league should try to come out, at, you know, try to get this thing longer because they've been so inconsistent with, you know, these types of um, suspensions, you know, go back to the, you know, go look, even Calvin Ridley, he's getting suspended 17 games at, for doing, um for Ben team. Depending on you his know, team, this guy, this guy, this yeah, guy no, has twenty-five. I, this guy has twenty-five sexual harassment lawsuits against him, and he gets six games, but really gets the entire season. Yeah, that's you know, like you know, he bet on the team to win too. Like I just, you know, he get, you know, Ridley's getting the whole season, but Watson gets six years for do or six games for doing this is it's ridiculous. Again, go back to the Ray Rice. He had a two-game suspension, and then we saw the evidence of you know in the elevator. You know, like the, the NFL, they really could have came down on Deshaun Watson and really made a statement. You know, it, well, if they if they decide to kind of, um, you know, um, you know, appeal this decision where they can try to come down on these, you know, Watson and make sure that nothing, yeah, that, that they're not going to stand for this. Because again, even Tyreek Hill a couple years ago, there's audio evidence he didn't get suspended, you know, for threatening his, his partner and kind of saying he broke his kid's arm, his four year old you know, son's arm. It, it, they, they've been really inconsistent. I know they tried to go to the judge now, but it's still not good enough. Yeah, you know, 24 civil lawsuit cases. I know 23 of them have been of, kind of, of settled of with, sexual, but still. Sexual assault. There's still yeah. five cases that haven't been settled. It's it's it's, it's ridiculous. And, 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 and pretty much, you know, with the suspension, the Browns pretty much are, are accepting the fact that he, that, he, that, he, that he did this stuff to at least five women. And he's in the locker room. It's it's absolutely disgusting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you make a good point too. He's not apologized at all. He hasn't. He just keeps denying it, which makes it even worse. I feel like so. Yeah, he hasn't even really came out and kind of apologized for his actions. It's it's ridiculous, and I think you know, 
And, you know, he's out there Monday after the decision signing autographs and all that. And, again, the one million – Who are the fans dollars. that are that want autographs from this guy? That is, yeah. that's, that, that is so pathetic. It's so sickening. There should have been one Browns fan that wanted an autograph from this guy. I, that, that, that makes me sick. Yeah. It's just it, – it's it looks – Terrible again for the league. It's again, it's another black eye for the for the league. Like this Dolphins stuff going on right now, the Dan Schneider stuff. We'll like, get to that. You yeah, know, we'll get to the Dolphins. Yeah. So yeah, it's another black eye. And again, he's gonna be losing what six hundred thousand, something like that. Like again, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that the one you know how the Browns structured the contract. It's it's ridiculous. And you know, I, I hope they appeal, and I hope he does get a. a a longer suspension because he he deserves he deserves to. They only have six games for all of this. For a case that's taken almost you know a year and a half, two years to kind of figure out, and the only be six games, it's very disappointing and definitely should be a longer one. Absolutely, and you brought up the inconsistency of discipline in the NFL. They put this into the new CBA so this would get avoided, and now they, they go to a third party, and it's still and it still is a, a suspend. It still isn't right. So it's, it's just, you know, it's just the, the issues with discipline. There's two of the worst things. The, the two, the two worst things in the NFL is lack of racial hires and inconsistency on discipline. Those are the two worst, the lack of the diverse hires and uh, inconsistency on discipline. That that's the two worst things the NFL has going for it, right? Going for them right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they do. And it's you no, know, it's a bad look. You know, they have not really handled most of these cases very well. And yeah, as you mentioned, they tried to kind of fix it. It didn't work, and, and we'll see if they kind of appeal it or the league appeals it. Um, but yeah, it just yeah, leaks. It's been a huge black eye for the league the last couple of years with these sexual allegations and trying to figure out suspensions and all that. Um, so yeah, that's that's been a huge black eye under Roger Goodell's tenure. Huge, too. Yeah, as I said. Uh, diverse hot diversity in their hires and discipline has been the biggest. It, Goodell's done a lot of good things, but those two things, diversity in, in, in coaching hires and, uh, and discipline has been the two biggest, been the two worst things that have happened in Goodell's era as commissioner of the NFL. So let's just assume that Watson is suspended. The NFL doesn't appeal tomorrow and Watson is suspended for those six games. And uh, in, in, the, in the six games, they, they, they will play without him. They open up at Carolina very easily could be Baker Mayfield against the Cleveland Browns. Second game is home against the Jets. Third game, home against the Steelers. Fourth game in Atlanta. Fifth game against the Chargers at home. And the sixth game against your team, the Patriots, at home too. too. So I think they go two and four in this stretch. I think they lose to Carolina. I think Baker Mayfield's pumped. I think they lose to Carolina, which would be an upset, but I think they lose to them uh, on the road. I think they beat the Jets at, at, at home. I think they lose to the Steelers. I think they lose to Mike Tomlin in that Thursday night game in Cleveland. I think they beat the Falcons, lose to the Chargers, and then lose to the Patriots. So I think they go two and four in this stretch. How do you think the the, uh, the, the Browns will do in this stretch? Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think they go two and four. Um, you know, that jet one, jet one could be tricky. It could possibly. But, yeah, I, I think two and four uh, is probably their most likely one. Maybe they could see one at Carolina, but yeah, I agree. If Baker's starter, Baker's going out there winning that game. Um, that's probably be Baker's greatest game of his NFL career. We'll watch. Um, but yeah, I think probably two and four in that, that stretch. Tough NFC or AFC North. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it's a tough kind of start to the, to the schedule there. 
you know, they're looking for those six games they're at home at least. So maybe they could try to steal one, one or two of those. Um, but yeah, I, I, I see this Cleveland team going two and four. We've been, we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Brissett's a serviceable quarterback, but yeah, he's not going to go out there and go put up 30 points a game. Um, they're going to have to really rely on their running game, which is, is very good, but will it be enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. It'll be very interesting to see what happened. What happened? Just assuming that he, that the NFL doesn't appeal tomorrow. Overall, are the Browns a playoff team with him missing the first six games? I don't think so. I think they just missed the playoffs. I think they have. I think they. I think they finished nine and eight. I think if he does play, this is a really good team because this is a really good roster. They got a good offensive line. They got a good obviously Chubb. And Hunt as running backs. They got Amari Cooper. They got a good defense. So I actually think this team is going to, I think, win like seven of the eleven games. Seven of the eleven games he's going to play. I think these, they're going to they're win games with him, with him there. But I don't think they come out of the hole they dug. They dig themselves in the first six games. So I do think they miss the playoffs by a little bit. I think they finish nine and eight and miss the playoffs. Yeah, I think they go eight and nine because that second, you know, they when he comes back week seven, you know, at Baltimore. They don't really have too many gimme games. You know, really the only ones at Houston and, you know, probably even at Washington's going to be a tough one. So, yeah, I think they got a really tough schedule. Uh, so, yeah, I think they go eight and nine. I think I, I agree with you. It's a really talented team, Deshaun Watson. You know, when he's on the field, is it, one, it, it's, a, you know, could, it's very, could, you know, it, it's like a top 10 quarterback out there, you know. Um, so he could put him in position, but yeah, I just think there's too much of a hole to dig. I think they go probably eight and nine and that won't be enough, especially in a very tough NFC North where all four teams are, 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 are good enough to make a, make, make the playoffs. Uh, no, no, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think the Steelers, I think the Steelers with, uh, Kenny Pickett that they're going to, and Mitch Trubisky, they're going to have trouble, but obviously they've been a great organization for years. But yeah, obviously the top two teams, the Bengals and Ravens are Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, so I think, yeah, with the Steelers, I know rookie quarterback and all that. But yeah, with that organization, you can never count them out. And I, I think they find a way probably to get around 500. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's a tough division. Yeah, Bengals, Ravens are, are definitely the one-two in that, that division. They're both super talented. Absolutely, 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 absolutely. So we will go on to the Miami Dolphins, and they were stripped of a first-round pick. Uh, we got Frank's team. He's listening with us. They were stripped of a first-round pick uh, in this year's draft and then stripped of a third-round pick in next year's draft for tampering violations with Tom Brady and with, uh, and with Sean Payton. And I think this is a little light, too, because I feel like – I feel like Brian Flores is right where they were intensifying. They, they were, they were, uh, Stephen Ross was creating a culture of tanking. He was creating a culture of tanking. And I think what's wrong with this organization is, you know, Ross wants them to tank. He says he wants to build a championship culture, but he wants them to tank games in 2019. Then they win. They have two winning seasons. Then they fire the head coach. They're, 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 they're fooling around talking to Sean Payton and uh, Tom Brady when they shouldn't. This just it's just, this is not a surprise that this stuff is happening to the Dolphins. And the big thing is, is with Tua, if Tua doesn't work out, this team's going to need a quarterback. And they're not even going to have a first-round pick. Yeah. It, it, it's uh, – they're in a bad spot. And, again, I, I – yeah, the Dolphins are screwed. Frank said right it perfectly. Now. The Dolphins are screwed. And they're screwed because of incompetent ownership. The front office is, is a major, major issue. Stephen Ross, I got to say, is one of the worst owners in sports. I mean, to, to, to have this happen, and, and Frank has said it, it's pretty sad 
what the Dolphins have become. And yeah, the Dolphins, I mean, you go back to the 70s, they used to be a they were the best – they were a top franchise at the seventh in the Larry Zonka and, and uh, Bob Greasy days They and Mercury Morris. They were – and, and Nick Bonacani. They were a top franchise. And even in the Marino days, yeah, the Marino era was a little bit disappointing because they didn't win a Super Bowl with Dan Marino, but Dan Marino was one of the – obviously one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And really the last two decades, there's a, there's a reason this team hasn't won a playoff game. And it's been – the front office and ownership has, conti- has continued to screw up. And this is just another, this is just another, it just adds to the chapter, you know, going, tampering with Brady and Sean Payton when they could have. And they're lucky they didn't get even get, Stephen Ross didn't get in more trouble because I feel like he, and I feel like Brian Flores is right. And they, and they, and they, and he wanted them to tank games. Yeah. Now, if they, yeah, Frank agreed with you. Yeah. They were winning team back then, 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, it was one of the better franchises in the National Football League. And yeah, at this point, they've been pretty much since I've been alive, they've been, one of the laughing socks. They've been one of the worst, you know. Um, yeah, and I, you know, for fours, I, I, you know, for you know, all the stuff that he said was, you know, was all true, you know. And yeah. for a guy like Punt Fours, it was a lose-lose situation for him because he, he wins, he's gonna get fired for not taking. He loses, he's gonna get fired because you know, Ross is gonna have to fire him because they're losing to make it make him seem, you know, to um, um. To kind of you know, because they're losing, they're they're going to get rid of them anyway. So, um, you know, Frank says you know he completely yeah. agree with you with the ownership yeah. and upper management. Yeah, they've yeah. been they've been absolutely garbage since Marino, since Marino and Jimmy Johnson were gone. Yeah, because they hire Dave Wanstead, who was an average coach at best. Then they hire Nick Saban, who who pretty much bailed on them, had no loyalty to the to, to the organization. Then Cam Cameron, that was an absolute disaster, and went one in fifteen. And oh yeah, they say they should have Ross. Yes, Ross should be kicked out of the league. There's no question Stephen Rock should be kicked out of the league. He should. Yeah. Him and Snyder. But, you know, if they haven't kicked out Snyder yet, I, I don't know if Ross is – both of them should be definitely kicked out. Um, it'd be great for the league because, you know – but yeah, it, it's sad that an owner actually wants to kind of go this way. <laughs> Same as Saban. Well, the shit's showing right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't love what Saban did, but he knew how bad it was. He yeah. knew how tough it was to win in Miami. He's like – yeah, let me go to Alabama. Let me go to Alabama and win. Let me go to Alabama and build yeah. a dynasty instead of coaching the Dolphins for for the next ten years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so yeah, he, you know, Saban so made the right decision there. But yeah, it's been tough for the Dolphins, and you know, Ross, you know, the tampering stuff as well looks pretty bad. Um, it's it just all of it. It just, you know, I just don't know why you want to run the organization like this. And I know it's not a two that they wanted, you know. Uh, Flores wanted Justin Herbert, and you know they Ross wanted Tua. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who should they listen to? They should listen to Brian yeah. Flores, who wanted the better quarterback. Because if you put Flores and, and and Herbert together, that's a Super Bowl contender. Now you have an average football team at best. Yeah, absolutely. You know you, you do, and I know they tried to get better this offseason, but we'll see. Um, yeah, but it, it, it's sad the stuff that Stephen Ross is, you know, kind of that some of the stuff that happened in the investigation. Uh, they, you know, telling that team and the coaching staff just still go out there and lose. I, I just, I, I, I don't know how I'm a player or coach. I, I even want to go sit in that locker room and go play for that organization. It's just, it, it's, it, it's crazy. And especially too, cause it's, you know, again, hopefully Flores gets another shot at a head coaching gig. Cause I thought he did a pretty decent job with that team. They'll I get that team was, five I, wins. I, I, think, I think he was the best Dolphins coach since Jimmy Johnson. I really do. Yeah. Cause yeah, they won five games in a year where, they were expected to win like one or two. 
Then the next year, he goes 10 and six, just misses the playoffs. And last year, they start one and seven. A lot of teams start one and seven. They're going like four and 13 or three and 14. That team was competing for a playoff spot late in the season, going nine and eight with with pretty much average to below average quarterback play. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's done a phenomenal job. And, you know, but that, but, but that Stephen Ross says, oh, this isn't good enough. We, 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 we got to get rid of him. Yeah. I, I it's it's horrible, and again, we'll see what Mike McDaniel's been able to do here. Um, but yeah, like I thought, Flores deserved to say. I think we both agreed on that. And then with the players, it's like the play. You know, you only have you know so many years of play, and your owner's really telling you to just kind of give up on this year and just kind of lose. It's like why why do you even want to show up every day? Your owner doesn't really have any expectations for you. You'd rather go out there and lose. I guess it's it's probably a chip on their shoulder. And, you know, winning five games that year to kind of get the owner upset. But, yeah, it just – I just – I don't know why you want to be an owner and you just want your team to be as bad as possible just be a laughing stock. I, I just don't – because it's not – because I know you're tanking and all that. You want to tank. But it's not a guarantee that that pick, and we've seen it with Tua, is going to turn out to be the guy, that fr- the franchise changer. It's funny. Just, they, it tried, they tried to tank for Tua, and Tua's average right now. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it, it shows – and, again – that that's karma for trying to tank and it hasn't worked. So it, it's been karma for karma for him. Um, but yeah, again, it's just, it's, it's horrible. Uh, Frank Sander Ross, he probably won't be able to do much. Any coach that comes into Miami will not do well for an office and order needs to go for a coach to have success with Dolphins. Yeah, you know, Absolutely. if it's something, Absolutely. yeah, if it's something like yeah. a doubt with Cowboys and there's too much ownership kind of trying to make all the decisions and all that, yeah, because you kind of see it's a bad culture. You got to bring somebody. That's what I thought Flores was good too. Bringing a good culture, um, or, or trying at least. But yeah, just it. It's horrible. Um, it's been absolutely horrible for Miami since. And yeah, until that guy leaves, till the front off, till that owner kind of gives it up. Yeah, I just I don't know if you're even with this now coming out. I just why why if why if I'm a player, a coach, why would I want to go play for the organization when there's a possibility yeah, I mean, that. This could happen again. If you're Sean Payton and you're, and, and, and you're given the choice, I don't like to say this, of the Cowboys or the Dolphins. They're not great. Either choice isn't great. But you're taking the Cowboys because at least the Cowboys, they, they, they're, they're, Jerry Jones, as much as we criticize them, is a much is, it definitely is a much better owner than Stephen Ross. So if you're given the choice of a job, I don't think you take either job. But if you're given the choice, you're definitely taking the Cowboy job. Yeah, absolutely. At least Jerry Jones wants you to win. At least Jerry Jones ain't walking to your office, you know, before the season going, hey, I I want you to win one game. You know, I don't want you to win a game this year. So, yeah, absolutely. Both organizations aren't great. But, yeah, I totally. Dallas Dallas is the one to go to there. So, yeah, it just, again, I just, your player coach, why would you want to step foot, step foot in this organization you have the option? Um, but, yeah, it's, again, it would be cool to see Miami be good, you know, again and getting back there, but it's just if this guy at the ownership, Ross, I just who know I don't think that's happening right now. Yeah, I just feel like as long as Steven Ross is there, this team will not be Super Bowl contenders. I just feel like that that that's pretty much the case at this point. So yeah, Dolphins docked a first round pick. And this could be a year where they desperately need a quarterback. So things are not looking good for the Miami Dolphins. But 
We got to go to a go to a team where things are looking good for, and that's the 49ers. Last week they announced that Trey Lance is going to be their their quarterback of the future, and they've just signed Debo Samuel to a three year seventy five seventy five million dollar deal, getting paid over twenty million a year. This is the receiver. This is the year the receiver getting paid. DK Metcalf just got paid. AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams. This is the year of the receiver getting big money, and Debo Samuel got his. Yeah, absolutely, and. He's been really good with the Niners. Um, but you got a young quarterback stepping in here. So it's good to have a weapon like this that you can use all over the field as a pass catcher. Um, we even saw him run the ball last year, playing the running back spot with all the running backs that they've had banged up over the years. So, yeah, I think Debo Samuel, he's been an electrifying player. Um, he's had a really good start to his career. You know, he's so, yeah, I think it's a good move here for the Niners to hold on to him. Uh, and, yeah, he, he's 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 had a really nice career so far, and hopefully, will kind of be a nice help for Trey Lance as he steps in and gets a starting quarterback role. Yeah, and you talked about how how they use him in the running game, and that's why he's a perfect fit for San Francisco because so many guys that that run the football are good fits. He's so versatile too. If he went to another team, he may not be as effective because 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 they probably wouldn't use him in the run game. The way the 49ers use him in the run game and with Shanahan's uh, zone blocking scheme, he just fits so perfectly for this team. So I'm, I'm really happy for him that they got this deal done. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, because um, you can use him in so many ways. Um, he's a guy, too, that could kind of be a, be a return man for you as well because he's just that electrifying. Um, so, yeah, you know, as you mentioned, he does so many things well. Um, he can really help a team and really kind of, you know, give – give uh, defense coordinators a headache because you don't know what, you know, what they're going to do um, with him offensively. If he's going to go out, go run a route, or if he's going to come over and get a sweep. So, um, yeah, I think it was really good for the Niners to hold on to him and then uh, find out, figure out a deal, deal with him. Absolutely. And the big question is, is, Will the Niners in the, in the next three years win a Super Bowl with Debo Samuel? And I think they will because I really like the way the Niners are structured. I like the defense with Boza and Fred Warner. I like the I like the offense with George Kittle and Debo Samuel locked up. And I think they finally got that quarterback that's going to get him over the hump. I think Trey Lance is going to finally get this team over the hump. The issue with the Niners in the Kyle Shanahan era is they had two 10-point leads in big games. In the Super Bowl, they had a 10-point lead. And they had a 10-point lead in the NFC Championship game. And the reason they didn't close those games out was they were not good enough at the quarterback position. I believe with Trey Lance that they are good enough at the quarterback position. That's why I think in the next three years, you will see the 49ers winning a Super Bowl. I disagree. I'm not a, I'm not sold on Trey Lance yet. I, Ooh, you're you know, not. No, I didn't I, like I, what no, I saw. I, listen, listen. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I just think he went. He's in, he's in a. This is the best situation a quarterback has gotten into since Patrick Mahomes. And you could argue it's a better situation with Patrick Mahomes because of the talent around him and the offensive coaching around him. Yeah, I think that definitely helps. I think that 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 definitely helps. I just I haven't we haven't seen a lot of a lot of him throughout his college career either. I just think there's a lot of unknowns in. Boy, there was a scout a couple weeks ago and an executive saying this is like a Christmas present if Trey Lance is to start over Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know, maybe does yeah, I, I think he could be a decent quarterback and be a quarterback good enough with the talent they have to win it one. I'm just not sold. I don't know if he's gonna be I don't know if I don't know if he'll be good enough to help help him. I know he's probably doesn't have to do a ton, he'll probably have to be a really good game manager. 
Um, he does have a great – they do have a great staff around him. They do have some really good weapons around him. Um, it's a tough division. But, yeah, I'm just – I don't – not totally sold yet on Trey Lance. And I think he could be like Jimmy G, the guy that holds him back. I don't think he's going to be that. I think he's going to be that guy. I don't think, I don't think he's going to be great. I don't think he's going to be a great quarterback. But I – because, yeah, you brought up his lack of experience. It's a good point there. But I think he's going to be that guy in the fourth quarter who's going to make the plays that Jimmy G didn't make. That's why I think he gets them – they get over the hump in the next couple of years. I think he could. Again, he came from North Dakota State, and all they do is there was win. So he knows how to win, and he knows, you know, um, even though they blow a lot of teams out, he knows, you know, probably hasn't had a lot of game-winning drives before or trailing in the fourth quarter. But, yeah, again, if he can show me that, I'll be coming all in on him. Until I see that, I just – I don't know. I, 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 I really – I'm just not sold on him yet. And, yeah, I just – right now to me, I think he could be just that one piece that hurts the Niners like it did with what Jimmy G did. So, yeah, for me, I, I think he's that one piece right now that could, you know, could keep them back. Um, again, I just – yeah, I haven't seen a lot. And I just – and he blew a lot of teams out in college. So, I just – how is he doing a close game? We just have not seen that from him yet. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Trey Lance and the 49ers. But this Saturday, the Hall of Fame, a new class comes in, the class of 2022, uh, the Hall of Fame announced will love their enshrinement ceremony this year. And there is a Patriot going to the Hall of Fame, a pretty important one. That's Richard Seymour, was on three of those Super Bowl teams, probably arguably the second best player on that. He might have been the best player, just really between him and Ty Law on that defense that won those three, that won those three Super Bowls. Uh, he was a Patriot from 2001 to 2008. You probably remember in 2009 when Bill got rid of him. And let's be honest – when the Patriots got rid of Seymour, I felt that defense wasn't the same for three or four years. I, I think that defense took took a while to get back to being what it was. Richard Seymour was an, a really good player. He was on that 07 Patriot team that went undefeated in the regular season and lost to the Giants. So a, a well-deserved – he had to wait a little bit, but well-deserved for him getting into the Hall of Fame. And you obviously watched him play for a good part of his career. What are your thoughts on Richard Seymour? Yeah, Richard, um, he's just always a – you know, he's always a nightmare – um, for opposing quarterbacks to scheme against. Um, you know, he was a guy that really stayed on the field too with his time in New England. He did not miss, you know, I know 07, he only played nine games, but mostly, you know, he played double digits every year. He's a guy that was really reliable. Um, you know, a guy that, you know, made seven Pro Bowls. He was on the whole decade team. You know, he's, yeah, I think, you know, I'm right there with you. I think him and Ty Law is very tough to choose the two. Um Big part of that, you know, kind of 2001, they upset the Rams there, kind of start that dynasty. Um, you know, he's phenomenal. He's a nightmare. You know, he had his – and I saw, you know, when he recorded a sack with the Patriots, their record was like 46-8 and eight games where he got a sack. So, he's you know, he's phenomenal. Um, always a nightmare, just a nightmare to kind of scheme against. Um, you know, had to kind of double team him. For a tier guy, he was just – he was a dominant force inside. Um, Rolfing the linemen and then quarterbacks to kind of escape. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So now I'll go through the Hall of Famers that are going to be enshrined on uh, Saturday. First, Tony Baselli, uh, tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars, was on those Jaguar teams with Tom Coughlin, Fred Taylor, uh, Mark Brunel, Jimmy Smith. Those Jaguar teams got to two AFC championships games in the first five years of their existence. Baselli was a real he was the anchor of that really, really good offense the Jaguars had back in the late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, Leroy Butler 
the safety for those Packers teams. A lot of people remember those Packers teams with Brett Favre and Reggie White, but Leroy Butler was on those Packers teams in the mid-90s, one of them that won a Super Bowl, beating the Patriots in that Super Bowl. So Leroy Butler, he goes into the Hall of Fame. There's no first ballot Hall of Famers here. All really, all, all solid, you know, guys who had great careers. Not, you know, dominant careers, but great but great careers. But there's no first ballot guys in this class. Uh, another guy, Sam Mills, was on those Saints teams with Jim Moore that were pretty good on, was part of those Saints defenses with Jim Moore. Later in his career, he went to the Panthers, helped them get to an NFC championship game. Uh, Bryant Young, longtime 49er defensive tackle, was on those 49er teams. Kind of after their dynasty, was on those teams. But it was on the Niners from 94 to 2007, but – he was the Niners' best player, one of the Niners' top defensive players for a while. Uh, Cliff Branch was a receiver for the Raiders uh, in the two years, too, with Kenny Stabler and with Jim Plunkett, was on, I think, three of their Super Bowl teams. Uh, Cliff Branch, he's going to the Hall of Fame. And lastly, Dick Vermeil, the longtime Philadelphia Eagle coach, led them to Super Bowl 50 against the Oakland Raiders, lost that game. But he got his revenge in the Super Bowl in 1999 when he had Kurt Warner in the greatest show on turf won a Super Bowl over the Tennessee Titans. So that is the class that is going into the Hall of Fame on Saturday. And we will close out the show with some unfortunate news. Uh, Vince Scully yesterday passed away at the age of 94. He was a legend. This guy was a legend in broadcasting. Any baseball announcer uh, modeled what they did after Vince Scully. I mean, he was the longtime, longtime play-by-play announcer of the Los Angeles Dodgers, and he also did work for NBC. His classic call was in the 86 World Series with Mookie Wilson behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. That was a classic call by Vince Scully, a true, true legend as a sports broadcaster, and I think the greatest baseball broadcaster of all time. Yeah, absolutely. I think he may be the greatest broadcaster of all time. Um, you know, and I think, you know, he's probably right there to a John Madden of what he means as a sport and like the first kind of guy you think of to, to a sport and you think Vince Goy baseball, um, you know, doing Dodger games by himself for 67 years is amazing. And just the stories he kind of told as well, um, were always good. Um, you know, I just, I love listening to, to uh, Vince Goy. He's just, you know, he's one of the best. Um, my big one, you know, that 88 call. Um, oh, yeah, the, the, Gibson, the Gibson one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. Yeah, that's another great one. He's got so many great calls. You know, we could be here for hours kind of talking about him. But, yeah, he's just – he's he's one of the best all time. Um, just with his voice, the soothing voice that he had, the stories he kind of told. Doing the game by himself for that long is is, is amazing. And he, it, and he, he always kept it entertaining. Um, he's such a – He's just such an icon, and that, absolutely, I think you know anybody in broadcasting wants to kind of be like Vince Scully, but there'll never be another Vince Scully, and it's very unfortunate to kind of see his passing. Um, but just just amazing what what he did for the game of baseball. Um, you know, he, he's just an incredible, incredible, um, incredible broadcaster. Seems like he's an incredible person. So sad day in the baseball community that you know Vince Scully passed away. Uh, it sure is. It sure is. You know, he's more, he's a guy that all baseball broadcasters look up to. All broad broadcasters in general look up to. So, yeah, absolutely sad day in the baseball community. But it was an outstanding career for Vince Scully. That's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For Justin Anafrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking – we'll be back talking – 
Yanks and Sox. And and we'll be back talking about the uh, first week of the NFL preseason. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. My name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.